cleaning spills and splitting bills. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Alex Dyson, when you have a newborn baby, this thing happens where in the middle of the night they've woken up and you're on your third hour of being wide awake, kept awake by them screaming and crying. You're rocking them in your arms, you're patting them, you're singing songs, desperately hoping that they'll go to bed. And this thing always happens because your arms hurt. You're tired. (laughs) They finally stop making noise and you just think, I know I need to keep singing and patting for... 10 minutes longer because they're not actually asleep, but you're just so tired and sore, you think, maybe I can just put them down now. And then you put them down and they start squealing again. And you're out for another hour trying to keep them awake. This is what's happening in the world right now, Alex Dyson. Sydney had a baby that was just about (laughs) to go to sleep. (laughs) And we put it down. Our arms were tired, our backs were sore. We just thought we need rest. Are you are you equating the pandemic to parenthood here? Well, I'm just saying if we just stood up for 10 more minutes <laughs> and just put in that little bit of it felt that burn in our biceps, we mm. could have we could have been out of this with a sleeping child and we could have had a good night's sleep, well, but instead y- we're buying designer face masks. You know what, Madokine? I have no sympathy for you because you were a child in the educational class that I tried to perform to teach our producer, Sam Cav's uh, five-year-old, some things. Because school's out, you know, not allowed to go back in Victoria. So I tried to be the professor and I was trying to teach you a few things as well. Weren't having a bar of it. So I've got no sympathy for you, O'Kine, because you're the child in this instance. Anyway, you'll be hearing from that from later on. Also, we've got some tea from the town of Castle, Maine. It looks like uh, things are getting a little bit fiery in regional Victoria when it comes to, uh, yeah, the, the law coming down on a, uh, I would say some would contend is dad of the year. Mm, and speaking of T's, we're crossing T's, dotting I's on some old letters that have popped up after over 40 years. Letters between the Queen and the Governor General of Australia. Imagine this is big the, news. You know, imagine a teacher catching the Queen passing notes in class <laughs> and having to read that out. Elizabeth, it's pretty, Elizabeth. It's pretty interesting stuff. And we're going to be chatting to one of the presenters from the podcast, The Briefing, Jamila Rizvi, about it all in a moment. You're on All Day Breakfast with Matt and Alex. Hello. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Now, Matt, yesterday was an interesting day because it's big news about old news, all right? Now, uh, our generation, very, very used to our prime ministers being stabbed in the back by their own party. But back in 1975, it was huge news when we had a prime minister stabbed in the back by a governor general. I mean, imagine Quinton Bryce doing something like that. It's unfathomable, isn't it? I actually, I've never really been across this story. It's something growing up, you know, our parents used to talk about this incredible political turmoil that the country was going through. Gough Whitlam getting kicked out of government while he was in the midst of his prime ministerial ship. Is that a word? No, but it doesn't matter. This is uh, Gough Whitlam, Prime Minister at the time, in his dismissal speech. Very famous audio. Well, may we say, God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. I mean, spine-tingling stuff from Gough. Always a great orator was uh, was Gough Whitlam. Do you know what that needs, that audio needs? Is... um, 
turned down for what? <laughs> you are right. It was a it was a big moment. But what does it all mean, and why is it back in the news? To uh, find out exactly why, to explain it better than we can, we turn to uh, a pro in the game. Jamila Rizvi is an author, presenter, political commentator, and a co-host on the Briefing podcast. Hello, Jamila. Thanks for having me, guys. You know what I love? That Quentin Bryce is now forever the Governor-General. She's know, not she's been, been the Governor-General for a while, but no one knows who it is anymore. It's, it's like, um, it's always like whoever's coaching the, the St Kilda Saints, uh, usually. You always know the one before the one that you're currently on. Exactly, <laughs> it takes a while to catch up. Exactly. Uh, David Hurley is his name. David Hurley, okay. For those in the game. Mm. I am certainly not in the game. I did not know. Uh, but I'm, that's why we got you in, Master Tutor, understanding uh, and knowing of the game. Jamila, thank you so much for joining us. And can you uh, give us a little bit of an insight as to why yesterday was such a big deal when it comes to unearthing these long, hidden letters? For political nerds, it is an unexpected game day. Did they uh, just drop a brand new Star Wars movie? Oh my God, you know, it's is that like <laughs> it, it, it's one of those like mind blowing moments where you're like, I knew it, I knew he was the bad guy. <laughs> so, I think the best thing to do is to go back a little bit in time to just mm-hmm. explain how we got to where we are, right? So, I think most people know a little bit about what happened in the dismissal, which was an unprecedented act. Which is basically what happened is the Governor General at the time came in and dismissed the government. It was a little bit similar, I imagine, in terms of the reaction from people, from voters, to when Julia Gillard became Prime Minister literally overnight. There were a lot of people going, can you do that? Like, (laughs) what? That's allowed? And, And it was a really tense time within the parliament because the economy was in the toilet for a whole range of reasons mostly coming from overseas, but also because Whitlam was borrowing a lot of money to spend. The opposition was exploiting that for political gain. And then what happened is a Labor senator died of a heart attack. Protocol is that if a senator dies, the state government just appoints someone from the same party. That's just kind of what you do. That's not what happened. Joe Bielke-Peterson, who was Premier of Queensland at the time, put in a Liberal senator instead of a Labor senator, and suddenly Whitlam has no control of his own Senate. And it looks like he's in really big trouble. So he wants to go to an election. He's going to need permission from the Governor-General, who doesn't really like him very much. And then the Governor-General starts doing dodgy stuff behind the scenes and talking to the Queen's staff rather politically to try and make sure he stays in a job even though Whitlam doesn't like him. And that's what today's letters have showed us. Interesting. So it's... It's like it's hard for us to think about that because, you know, the Prime Minister you're always growing up is like, that's the boss. You know, the Prime Minister is yeah. the boss. But when we're looking at the Commonwealth, the Governor General and the Queen obviously sit above the Prime Minister. And it seems a lot of people were saying the Queen knew and were com- was complicit in this. And that's why a lot of people are trying to get the letters. What was the Queen involved in any way? It appears a little bit. So the Queen's private secretary at the time was a guy who we're going to call Sir Martin, uh, mostly because I can't pronounce his second name. Uh, And our Governor-General was sending a lot of letters back and forth with Sir Martin in the United Kingdom around making sure that he got to maintain his position regardless of what went down in Australia. Now, that in itself is a massive problem, right? Mm. But the letters also suggest that 
the two were corresponding in a way where the Queen wasn't specifically consulted. In other words, they were making sure she could maintain plausible deniability, even Uh, though she probably knew exactly what was going on. Man, this whole thing sounds like a bunch of desperados just (laughs) scrambling to keep their own ass safe while fires burn in the country that they're supposed to be looking after. That is an extremely good description. Goodness me. And now these letters have come to the fore. I mean, where were they locked away? Were they in a safe, a shoebox? Who was keeping the letters? And uh, But, yeah, who was forced now due to this uh, court decision to, to bring them out in the open? Yeah, well, the British monarchy and then the office of the Governor-General here in Australia. It doesn't feel like a big deal, I suppose, just because so much time has passed. But... The whole defining feature of a constitutional monarchy, which is what Australia still is, is that the king or queen is supposed to remain strictly neutral when it comes to politics. But as we saw in the crown and as we feel today, that is not always what happens. And the amazing thing about these letters coming out between the Governor-General, a Prime Minister in Australia in the 70s, is the queen is still the queen. It's the same lady who did it at the time. She is she's still in power. So it'll be interesting to see if in the future she comes out now. She could be. Downloaded a bit of all day breakfast. Having a few crumpets in Buckingham Palace and listening to the uh the news drop. Well, Jamila, thank you for uh explaining that to us in terms that we are able to understand. We really appreciate your insight and look forward to uh finding out more as well. As we do every day, I do like in uh, listening to the briefing with our good mate Tom Tilly as well as yourself and Jan Fran and the crew. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us and all the best with it. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm going to go read me some more letters. Oh, please do. Please do. (laughs) Well, we're going to be delving into the archives as well, Matt O'Kine, and uh, finding out a bit about other Australians' letters from the past. Yeah, we asked you, when have you sent or received maybe a regretful letter, maybe something a little bit embarrassing that you certainly hope hadn't taken uh, lawyers to go to court 20 years, 30, 40 years later to unearth and uh, expose to the world. So we've got Amy from Brisbane on the line now. Amy, what's a letter that you've sent or received that you wish didn't see the light of day? Um, well, I was. it was a few years ago. Um, I was working in the backpackers in Edinburgh and um, one of the guests at the time sort of took a bit of a liking to me and um, as he went to check out, he sort of handed me this letter along with his key and it was this long, as I was reading it, I realised it was this long love letter about how much I meant to him and made his stay and, and all this sort of sweet stuff, um, oh. which was slightly, yeah, slightly kooky and embarrassing. But um, I kindly said to him that I wasn't too interested, but it was really sweet hearing those things and I popped the letter down and checked him out and I was thinking like I oh, only wait, had a so couple of So he stood other- there watching <laughs> you read it? <laughs> Yeah, he was like, can you just read this and let me know what you think after? And, um, yeah, he said, like, our conversations meant a lot to me. And I thought I'd only had, like, two other conversations, one to check him in, and then the other one was probably to get a towel or something. Toilets are that way, sir. (laughs) Yeah. And then I, um, yeah, I popped the letter away and I sort of, like, um, just continued with the day. And one of my colleagues found it and they thought it was like super cute and embarrassing and put it up on like the big staff notice board for everyone else to have a good read of. Oh no, the uh, the Governor General letters up on the bulletin board. That is rough stuff. Uh, thank you very much for letting us know about that, Amy. We really appreciate it. Sometimes, Matt, uh, you know, letters, words can be very powerful, but often 
pictures can speak a thousand words as well. And we've got Mia joining us here from Kingscliff and your story involves a, uh, a picture from the past. Yeah, so um, I was having kind of a rough time with my boss. I wasn't too happy with him, like with the shifts he was giving me. And he sent me a text message, like cutting another one of my shifts. And I screenshotted it and wrote underneath it, oh, he's acting like a f***ing idiot or something like that. And I sent it back to him <laughs> instead of my co-worker. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, oh dear. dear. Oh, and yeah. did that undo his idiotness? Or did, <laughs> no, uh... I lost a few more shifts and actually quit a couple of weeks later. <laughs> yeah, can't imagine you lasting long there. Well, <laughs> yeah, may no. we say God save the boss because nothing <laughs> yeah. will save me as job there. Uh, thank no, you very I'm much. very careful of who I screenshot send oh, messages to now. I bet. Thank you so much, Mia. <laughs> thank you. And uh, finally, uh, Michaela from Brisbane now. Michaela, uh, what was your letter that you wish didn't exist? Well, uh, my auntie had sent me a sext by accident. <laughs> 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 oh, um, and I mean, how graphic are we talking here? It was filthy. <laughs> oh. oh no! So was this a was this a a visual sext, or no. was it just like oh, written God. like like Mills and Boone style? Yeah, no, it was just words. Thankfully, I don't know what I would have done to myself if. Uh, it had written an image. All right, all right, like, Michaela, come on, yeah. dish it. That's what's, not going to tolerate <laughs> less detail than the, any, than anything your, less than. Uh, what's your answer getting up to? Here. You want to know what it said? Yeah, I do. Um, let's let's go. wait. Can I just? Uh, can we just get the uh, the beeper in the studio here? Okay, um, just let fly here, Michaela, and um, I'll have the beeper ready, ready to beep anything too bad. Okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, the first one was mm, dot dot dot. I'm a bit question mark. <laughs> Do you Wait. want me to what? and your main man? <laughs> and that was uh, the first one. And then, did you, and then did you was, reply or what? That's did you just play? <laughs> that's not even the, that's not even the main meal. Okay, and so then, then then what? Yeah, and then there was an, an ellipsis, and then she wrote, "What to do?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what to do, what to <laughs> do. And the question, the question is you there. Say, is why don't we do all three? <laughs> How did you reply, Michaela? So I didn't actually see it until the next day because she sent it through on iMessage. And so I've opened it up on my laptop and as I'm reading it, I get a text from her, like a normal text. And she wrote, sorry about the messages last night. I'm old but not dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's not too apologetic at all. Uh, good to see that uh, things are still uh, working there. But Michaela, um, thank you very much for, for joining us and revealing the uh, the letters from the archives. Yeah, you're welcome. It's safe to say we haven't spoken about it since. <laughs> yeah, no. no, I bet not. No, I should hope not. Uh, thank you, Michaela. Catch you later. All right, see ya. Just imagine those texts coming out. You're probably listening to the same way, like the CIA documents come out with black lines being redacted from <laughs> from Michaela's answer. Mute this conversation. Indeed. Oh goodness me. You're an all day breakfast. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Oh, I feel a buzz. Now, Meadow as a fan of the French language and a fan of memes, I was 
very excited to have this brought to my attention. It is a little, um, a little short video about someone using Google Translate to uh, look at a few of the words in French that are super similar. Did you ever study French? What did you study in school? I actually went to French lessons um, uh, about three years ago. Went uh, just weekly. What, like uh, when you were old? Thank you for reminding me. Yes, I was <laughs> well, old. I'm not, well, you know but what I mean. I'll tell you what, as far as being, uh, you know, popular kids in the class, let's just say I was very séchouette. <laughs> um, so, well, I'll tell you that I met some people in New Caledonia. I said the word schwet and they laughed at me because that's a very old person thing to say. <laughs> I so, I, I tried yeah. to use it once as well. And the lady behind the counter literally rolled her eyes at yeah. me and went, oh, cool. <laughs> but anyway, this means, there's a lot of words in French that sound very similar, particularly with the accents. Okay. And someone's done this by going to Google, Google Translate, typing the English word, and then using the uh, automatic voice in French to say what the French word is, right? Mm. So, for example, your, the French word is ton. Okay. And if you take, keep that in mind, that's what starts off this very first, very spicy meme. Your, ton, tuna, ton, mowing, ton, uncle, ton, ton. Your uncle mows your tuna. Ton, 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 ton. So, ton, 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 ton. Do you reckon, <laughs> is that legit? Yeah, it is. I mean, you don't frequently say your uncle mows your tuna. And so very <laughs> rarely, I oh. think, in French would you need to you say ton, 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 ton. But it's not, it's not the only similar French word that this person has done. Blood, sang, without, sang, hundred, sang, smells, sang. Without a hundred smells of blood. Sans, 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 sans. And then afterwards, a man pops up with a fake French background and goes, sans, 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 sans. Okay. It's just a real shortcut way to speaking French, which I thought was very cool. But I also thought, you know, there's a lot of people who want to learn how to really speak Australian. Don't, well, are there it. quite a few people who just really want to get to know Australian? I mean, in like the English language, there are examples of this, you know, the classic which, which is which, you mm. know, the two, two and twos, the theirs, theirs and theirs. But uh, yeah, in terms of an actual ochre spin on things, no, it's, it's unheard of. Yeah, some words that only Australians would understand. So we come up with a few sen sentences that you can explain to your, you know, international friends as to uh, how to truly speak Australian. And we're going to uh, translate them for you right now. Matt O'Kind, you're going to be reading the original sentence and I'll be reading the Australian sentence. Okay, so uh, let's, let's meme it up, shall we? Go ahead. So exciting. Turn around. There's Stuart from Newcastle consuming 1.5 standard drinks from his boot. And here we are in Australia. Uh, you beauty, Chucky Yui, there's Stewie from Newey doing a shkooey shooey. <laughs> Cue the... Uh... Land down under music. That's not the only one. There's there's plenty more where that came really? from. Matt, there's what's, what's another sentence that uh, might be lost in translation in Australia? An uppity sideshow working English cricket fan just dropped a tomato topped schnitzel upon my banana print nighty. Oh, some smarmy barmy army carny spilt palmy on manani jammies. <laughs> Okay, we've got we've got some final one. Is there a final sentence that we think you should know and that your uh, friends from OS should also be aware of? Uh, I I feel like uh, oh oh this is something that I know 
My my friends often need to describe this to me. Okay. Um, it's based on seeing, you know, particular public figures mm. uh, and the way that they behave in uh, in family restaurants. Okay, so yep. this is just a good example of how you can utilize the Oka language. Um, <clears throat> oh, Robert Catter has a six-disc CD player upon which he's playing ACDC at the rear of McDonald's. Oh, Bob Catter's got a six-stacker. He's cranking Akadaka out the back of Maccas. <laughs> Who needs Rosetta Stone? We've got Matt and Alex. Beautiful. <laughs> All day breakfast. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. Now, the thing I love about doing a podcast with you, Matt O'Kine, is that we get to learn. You know, and we like to pass on that knowledge to the younger generation. That's why when we realised that Victoria was going to be in lockdown for a while and students wouldn't be returning to school from school holidays as quickly as many parents would hope, um, a couple of gents like us just really need to step up. Oh, man, speak for yourself. I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> Absolutely not. I the, the thought of having to look after kids during this time while also having to work you can't even go to shopping centres to distract them, movie theatres to, like, keep them occupied. You're dreaming and you put your hand up to teach kids? No, yeah. man. I thought it'd be easy. And, you know, it was our producer, Sam Cavs, a uh, beautiful five-year-old son, Arlo, um, teaching him. Unfortunately, another student joined the class. That was Matthew O'Kine, who was there in his white-collar shirt, tie all over the place, hair unkempt. He brought a keyboard along of sociology and, you know, biology, starts playing in the middle of class. Arlo is being a very good student, was trying to learn from, you know, one of the great minds of All Day Breakfast College, you know. So that many have tipped, the, tipped them to become... Nerds. <laughs> many have tipped <laughs> him to become principal very soon. Uh, but there I was trying to uh, teach teach the, the youth of the nation. And uh, look, it didn't exactly go to plan. There, there was a little bit of a derailment, potentially... Uh, but things started very well. The kid at school. <laughs> well, let's let's just have a listen to see what happened. We jumped on an online meeting and uh, tried to uh, try to pass on some knowledge to uh, young Arlo, who wouldn't be going to school very soon. Um, have a listen and see where you think things went a little bit off track. Hello, Arlo. How are you? Good. That's good. My name is Professor Dyson, but you can call me Alex. Have you had a good morning? Yeah. Well, we're going to be learning about a few things today, but I think we're waiting on another student um, who's hopefully hopefully coming soon. Oh, Matthew, you're late. Sorry. So, sorry. Matthew, you do this all the time. It's not good enough, but we're going to start today. And I was too busy pooing. <laughs> you're a naughty boy, Matthew, a very naughty it boy. Was a really, now, it was a really long poo. And I had to, I couldn't get off the toilet. Matthew, can you please keep your toilet talk to yourself? All right, we're here to learn. Matt, get a poo. <laughs> all right. Now we've got we to gotta start learning here, otherwise it's almost time for recess. Um, but Arlo, I've got a choice for you. Do you want to learn about the complete works of William Shakespeare or do you want to learn about sharks? Sharks. Sharks? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to do it. The first thing's first, that there are lots and lots of different types of sharks. 
Okay. I'm going to read out I some did named poo. charts. <laughs> I did a poo. Matthew, can you please I save that for music class? I long poo. <laughs> We're learning about it charts. Was really, really smelly. Pooey, it was really, really smelly. Matthew, do you want to go to detention? It was really, really smelly. Poo. All right, I've got to tell you. Stinky poo. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I tell you what, <laughs> you could tell how nervous I was to actually teach. I was, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Then to have someone singing a song about their dirty, smelly poo. And sure, Arlo seemed to be laughing and enjoying it, but deep down, he wished he was learning. I could, he was I could tell. About sharks. Was, yeah, I was about well, to tell him about the fat cat shark. How about that for a name of a shark? The goblin shark, the knife-toothed dogfish, they're all how sharks. Much, how much time, be honest, because, I mean, we do this stuff for, uh, <laughs> you know, radio hoo-hahs. Realistically, though, I know that you you like putting a lot of effort in. How well, much time did you put to your teaching plan? Like an hour. That, I got to... <laughs> I had, to, I had to get ready. Did you know that every year sharks Don't on average kill me, kill four humans a year? Humans kill 100 million sharks. You know, Arlo doesn't know oh. that now, but he knows you did a big smelly poo. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and the future of Australia could do something about overfishing our oceans. <laughs> and now look what's happened. And then I tried to teach him about bones because he was really into you know, the human body. And this is what happened. Arlo, is there anything else you wanted to learn before we go? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear because of the disgusting fart noise from the worst students that's ever gone to school. How does meat get created? Well, meat is made out of atoms. Like, everything's made out of atoms, and atoms are the smallest thing ever. And so, when we're born, these atoms multiply, and in the bone marrow... <laughs> <laughs> Did you just burp? Is your name Arlo or Matt? <laughs> now, a burp gets created when gas is in the stomach and they create Arlo the little... Arlo did a burp. Arlo did a burp. Arlo did a burp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the end of class. Can you say thank you for the lip? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Another successful day at school. Oh okay. Oh my God. No. That, that last one. That last one was not real. All right. No, I think I think Marshy found that from the burp I did during my audiobook. But um <laughs> that, that went for a lot longer than I thought that I remember it happening. It, but there's tell you what, Matt it didn't and I, take long to decay into madness, did it? <laughs> acting like absolute children. Well, <laughs> I mean I don't know how teachers do it, honestly. Yeah, Please. I'll tell you what, if you, I, that, that went, literally, it went for 15 minutes. That was all we managed to do. Actually, you know Five what? minutes of which were just all us giving, giving our best burp. If you have a story of just, if you're a teacher, you've got a story of when it has just absolutely fallen apart. 
The train hasn't just slipped off the tracks. It has gone down a ravine is what what we want stories of going off the rails in class. Uh, Please get us, get in touch with us, matt.n.alex on Instagram. We would love to hear your, uh, your story. But uh, I tell you what, my hat's off to teachers and parents because that was a bloody nightmare. Oh, absolutely. And just one more thing. Oh, wait, I can't do it. (laughs) You haven't been learning enough in class, Matt. Okay. You should have been paying attention. Then you'd know how to do it. I got a G on my stomach. No, we got to move on to the next piece of gold content. No. You're a waste of space. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it's done, mate. All day breakfast. Now, Alex Dyson, we are a daily podcast that goes out to all of Australia and indeed the world. And while we love focusing on the huge news every single week, you know, what the latest COVID restrictions, uh, letters from the Queen to mm. the Governor General, we also like getting the microscope out and taking a little focus on the more intricate intimate details of our daily lives within this country. That's why we like to check out the tea from your town. It's the tea from your town. Yeah, we want the juiciest goss, the uh, the hottest tea that is uh, happening around the streets of your town. And our microscopic lens focuses on the Victorian town of Castle, Maine this week, where I would I don't want to call it first. You know, I like to be an impartial journalist in these kind of things, Matt O'Kine, but mm. it seems like... The puppeteers, the the man of this here nation, is trying to bring a, just a good, honest Aussie bloke down. Oh, I'm, I'm not, mean, I won't stand for it, mate. We talked about Goff Whitlam getting the boot from, you know, the the upper, the higher echelon. Mm. All right, the naysayers above him, and if you really want to see a, an actual battler, in 75 years' time, there'll be a few letters released about. This gentleman as well. Name is Brent, and he's joining us from Castle, Maine, in Victoria. Hello, Brent. Yeah, good day, lads. Thanks for having me on. Very oh. happy to have you here, Brent. Uh, Castle, Maine, beautiful part of the world. Always love having a visit. Got some awesome things to do and see. In one of them is in your very own home. Uh, can you tell us, please, what's been going on in, in literally your own backyard? Yeah, absolutely, fellas. So uh, about a year ago, I started work on putting a water slide in the front yard of my property here in Castle, Maine. Um, and yeah, what, what sort of, what kids wouldn't want a water slide and a few adults Oh my well. God. Now, my memories of being a youngster going down the water slide, it's the old man getting a tarp out, putting a few suds oh. on it and just aiming for the nearest incline. What Dude. you have managed to put together is far and away beyond that, Brent. <laughs> Can you describe the water slide to us? Well, it's, it's the, it's the proper thing, you know, it's the real McCoy. It's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, look, it took a bit of doing, but I tracked one down and I got it sort of sorted. It was a bit bigger of a project than I ever imagined. I sort of started off with the old tarpaulin idea, and then I thought, no, let's we're going to do it properly. Let's uh, let's just go ahead and do it once and, and get it done. So yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a picture, Brent. I mean, this isn't just a half scoop either. We're talking the full barrel here, the full yeah. tube, it is proper fiberglass tube that goes for how long? Ah, uh, thirty-eight meters. The bends. <laughs> and does yeah. it? Does it? Does water get fed into it from you know pumps, or how does it get? How yeah. does it stay wet? Yes. Yeah, so, 
It's got a uh, electric pump, so it's whisper quiet, so you don't oh. upset the neighbours. But it pumps oh. about twenty nine liters a second. Except for <laughs> yeah. all the joyous screams from the children uh, enjoying themselves, that might be a little bit disruptive. But other than that, you Just know, there's no the joy of children could be getting the way of people's day. <laughs> yeah, well, funnily enough, some people do have a problem with that, which is a bit strange. From my perspective, but, uh, yeah. So it's in your front yard. It starts was reasonably close to your door, and where does it end? Where do, where do the, the kiddies pop out? It ends in the dam. So, yeah, we've had the dam sort of landscaped and rejigged. It's about 60 years old. But uh, pop out in the bottom there and uh, some stone steps to get yourself out. Oh, and, um, oh, I'm sure you put in the permit for the uh, chairlift to go back up the top <laughs> there as well. That's on the way. Now, this sounds just like the idyllic Australian childhood with a local legend just DIYing fun out of nowhere. But uh, things are not going so well in Castle Main there, Brent. Yeah, look, so unfortunately the uh, leadership at uh, Mount Alexander Council... Uh, overturned their own planning department's uh, recommendation that I get a planning permit for it. Um, so now I've got to spend a bunch of money and they've got to spend a bunch of ratepayers' money to argue against themselves at VCAT just to keep oh, a bloody no. slide in me front, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And so... Oh, I mean, I mean that just sounds like a Tuesday in local government. <laughs> As far as yeah. I've been, my experience goes <laughs> there, Brent. They've got to keep themselves employed, mate. That's how it is, you know, They're scratching their own wrong. backs. So let's, you know, what's the first bit of permission you went to get? Well, I actually read the planning scheme and it, it looked to me as though I didn't need a planning mm. permit. But um, the council convinced me otherwise because we're in a heritage overlay, so I thought I'd go along with it. And, and it all got passed, which is fantastic. But um, it got passed by the professionals of planning actual department. And that's not good enough for some of the people on council, so they voted against it. Goodness me. Um, now, so, no, now this is a fight between you and the council and the authorities and themselves by the sound of things. Yeah. But what's the conversation like in the broader Castle Main community? Are they aware of the water slide? Are they aware of the upcoming VCAT hearing? Well, most people are aware of it now. And I've been stopped in the street a bit and uh, people sort of being encouraging, which... It's to be expected, I think. We're looking at a bit of play equipment for kids and friends and family and people around the place to come and have fun on you. <laughs> oh, oh come on, Brent. There must be a couple of people who aren't happy. I mean, I'm reading reports oh. of uh, noise complaints, flora and fauna damage to the area. Yeah. You got anything to say about this, mate? Oh, I do, I suppose, if, if you can complain about kids having fun, but that would be up to you. And- <laughs> We've sort of already we've already covered that one, and, and well, the other I mean, thing Matt, you're in plain clothes, but are you you looking a bit like I smell a bit of fun police about you there? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I don't see the wombats jumping in and having a slide, do I? You know, I'm just seeing as as a block for them to get through to their roughage. I tell so, you what, we've the, we've got more ducks in the dam now, and they're not paying rent or anything, but the flora and fauna's increased. So, I don't Ooh. know. Goodness me. Well, flora and fauna. I reckon this oh. has got a little bit of a whiff about it of something that they fight in the beginning, right? Suddenly all yeah. tourists are coming to Castle Maine, bringing a bit of, you know, tourism <laughs> dollar to local yeah. economy, and suddenly Drop. it was their idea in the first place to put it in. <laughs> Bloody classic, yeah. Start yeah. off as a wowser and, uh, yeah, then they want to get on board. That's a common one, isn't it? Well, how, oh. how many months do you give it? Till the local mayor is having a little slippery slide into the dam. <laughs> there, Brett, be honest. Well, it d- depends if uh, the local mayor can see it right to reconsider 
her view, I think it is at the moment. Mark my so. words, Brent. Hottest 100 day, 2021. <laughs> Mayor of Castlemaine will be sliding down with a uh, <laughs> Carlton mid and a hot dog. <laughs> I would say so. Well, we wish you all the best, Brent. <laughs> Hopefully the people of Castle Maine will be able to uh, slide into the dam with uh, a lot of safety uh, and a lot of fun. It'll be brilliant, and uh, we wish you all the best, my friend. Good on you, boys. Thanks a lot. Keep fighting Thanks, the good mate. fight, Brent. Catch you later, mate. There, if you'd want to let us know the tea from your town... Uh, but I don't, I, you know, I don't want this segment to necessarily come and bash your local council. Uh, but no. the, the way they go about things, we someone's got to do it. <laughs> All, right. All right. Last week we had AB from Coffs talking about some very juicy gossip about uh, some friends, pregnancies, teachers. This week, Brent from Castle Maine. Hit us up, whatever it is, yeah, wherever it is. Yeah, Devonports uh, kind of got in touch. So uh, please let us know your town. We'd love to know the juiciest tea. You're on Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. All Day Breakfast. With a cup of tea with a tea bag stuck in it. Mm-mm. Which brings us to the end of another all-day breakfast, Matt O'Kine, and it's not an all-day breakfast without controversy, and I tell you what, of all the things said today, and there was some pretty filthy texts coming from Michaela's auntie, (laughs) there's actually been one thing that slipped through the net, and we've had a a formal complaint. Oh, palm is well and truly embedded onto my face right now, so embarrassing. Uh, we've had to get our um, sound producer, Chris Marsh, in to uh, correct us on a couple of things. Marshy, what's going on, mate? Hi, guys. Well, I brought you a lovely story about a water slide in my hometown of Castle, Maine, and then heard you mispronounce the name of my town about a hundred times. <laughs> oh, every time, just sticking the, the dagger deeper Do and I ha- deeper into it. You'd reckon we'd be a bit smarmy, a bit uppity, but if you say Castle, Maine. Do it's I have to get Maine. you the bumper sticker that says there's no R in Castle, Maine? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do that. do we exist. Did, you did get us one of those, uh, but you did get us a very nice thing to end the show on as well, and it's a, a brand new single. Well, may we say God save the Queen. <laughs> because nothing will save the Governor-General. <laughs> Down for oh, thank you very much for listening to All Brave Breakfast. We will catch you next time. Wow! That's it. The All Day Breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? All the links are at mattandalex.com.au.